Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 podcast, our second episode of this week. In case you missed our Tuesday edition of this podcast, a lot to break down there. Marcus Hagens brought on board as the new Penn State wide receivers coach after a decade in that role for the University of Virginia. Uh, we broke that down on our Tuesday edition, uh, and also recapping a very busy junior day for Penn State last Saturday, looking ahead to the next third and final junior day of January with Tyler Calvaruzzo. That was on our last episode. Forward focus here, we have Josh Pate, uh, who I think people always come to expect that there's pop-up on here a couple times a year. Uh, last time we had him on here, was right after the Auburn matchup in September when Penn State uh, really went on cruise control down there in SEC country, came away with a blowout win. Obviously, a lot happened in Big Ten play. We're going to get to all that and more, learn about how Josh feels about Penn State coming out of this matchup, what he looks out of this season, what he looks ahead to 2023 and the fortunes for the Nittany Lions. And without further ado, here is Josh Pate. Of course, you recognize him uh, from Late Kick with Josh Pate, uh, YouTube channel, 24-7 Sports Mainstay. Appreciate you for topping on here, and uh, we have a lot to catch up on on the Nittany Lions. Yeah, we do. Look, I want to I want to put it to you like this, Tyler. Um, people who don't know me all that well may be watching the pod and saying, this dude doesn't even dress up. How disrespectful is that? But what you don't know, you may know. What they don't know is, I just pulled this fresh out of packaging over here. This is as new a garment as I've worn in uh, several months. So it is an immense amount of respect and pride I have for being back on the pod. We appreciate it. You got all dressed up for us here on a Wednesday morning. We, we, we thank you for that. And Josh, let's just start here because we had you on after that Auburn win for Penn State. It was their last non-conference. Uh, I'm sorry. It was their second to last non-conference game. They started out 3-0. They picked up that win at Purdue. We learned a lot about this team, though. October, November, December, up to January 2nd with the Rose Bowl. Curious where you're at with the Nittany Lions coming out of this season versus where, where you were when they were working their way toward Big Ten play back in September. Um, so to rewind, I vividly remember how I felt coming out of that Auburn game. Basically, I think my thoughts kind of mirrored what most Penn State fans were, and that is you're so used to going into those big games and you've been conditioned as a Penn State fan to think in terms of small margins and of small variance. So in other words, if everything goes right for us, that's how we can win a one possession game. Then all of a sudden the Auburn game happens and it's just they empty the stadium. It's like a sleeper in the fourth quarter. You're already thinking towards next week. And that was so irregular. And it made you think. It made me think, hey, if they can do this, if they can actually flex on someone in the SEC in their backyard, no less, what could be down the road? 
the Michigan game is the Michigan game. There's not really, truth be told, there's probably not a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of uh, wisdom in investing time explaining that away. <laughs> the Ohio State game is the one that I think people outside of Penn State look back on and they remember it as just another Ohio State-Penn State game. I'm not sure what that means because uh, several of them have been close, but they look back on that one. And I've, I've heard people in my particular sphere mention them as sort of an A-B, a tit-for-tat, the Michigan game and the Ohio State game. Those are nothing alike. That Ohio State game, when you look at what you would think it takes for Penn State to win a game, they did a lot of it. And then, you know, I, I in my world, am reminded why we spend so much time talking about individual players in recruiting, like JT Tuomaloau. That afternoon showed you exactly why we spent so much time talking about that kid. He goes past signing day, and there's this big uproar every 48 hours. we got new articles. Well, that's why, because he can single-handedly overturn a game. I think he did it that day. I think the most impressive thing, along with what Florida State did in the second half of the year, outside of the national title picture, is that James Franklin had his team essentially have to hit the reset button on their preseason goals around the midpoint of the season. And that stuff sounds easy, and it's not easy at all. And we look across the landscape of the sport every week, and we see favorites, double-digit favorites, losing. So when a team like Penn State just rattles off a streak of doing exactly what they're supposed to do and then some, I take notice of that because it's not doing it with an undefeated record. It's doing it with already two losses. You know you're not going to play for the Big Ten Championship. You know that a lot of your preseason goals are out the window, and you've got a lot of seniors on that team who know that's their last go-around. That's their last shot at that. I think that laid the groundwork to be able to say whatever you want to right now and to be able to have as bright a forward-thinking vision of Penn State football as you could possibly have. Now, in my world, Tyler, here's what that sounds like. I say, wow, I'm really high on Penn State in 2023. And before I finish the sentence, someone is either in the live chat or they're in the comment section, or if I'm in just a real-life scenario, they're already interrupting me saying, oh, we do this every year. Do this every year with Penn State. And I let them finish, and then I ask, what is it that we do? And they said, well, everybody hypes them up every year. Everybody calls them a contender every year. That's the word I'm always looking for, either playoff or contender, because I haven't used that language with Penn State ever. I haven't done it since Franklin's been there. I've been very careful and very guarded in the fact that I know what it means to call someone a playoff contender. I hadn't said that about Penn State. I may very well say that leading into 2023, and if I do, it will be the first time I've said it. So, so no, we don't always do this with Penn State. And I haven't because I haven't seen a team that collectively has this much promise as this particular Penn State group. It's not just 2023. There's a string now. There's a window here where I think they could do some special things. And and you referenced that loss to Ohio State back at the, the final Saturday of October. It dropped them to 6-2. and two. took a lot off the table for them. But the one thing that this Penn State 2022 team didn't have for a long time, Josh, was the benefit of the doubt, maybe at the national level, but certainly locally. After what happened in 2021, when they start out on fire, they end up in the top 10, and then they crater as the second half of the season goes on post-Sean Clifford injury. This time around, look, they weren't playing the, the Big Ten's gauntlet here, but they beat Indiana by 31 points. They shut out Maryland 30 to nothing. They beat Rutgers by 45 points, and they finished up with the blowout victory by 19 over Michigan State, get to 10-2, and two, get to the Rose Bowl. And I think, you know, you look at that four-game that four win streak to close out the regular season, not a murderer's row, like I said. But 
the ability to get this team motivated with a lot of young players picking up experience along the way. I think it was a different kind of finish for a 10 and two team than maybe one that has a bunch of veterans leading the way. And it's kind of the last to raw for them. This felt more like a stepping stone into 2023 than it did feel like a punctuation mark at the end of 2022. And if there's any fan out there who is struggling with how to interpret that, here's how you should interpret it. Just pretend the 2023 season started in November because that's exactly what it was. There are a few pieces Sean Clifford, for example, is a piece that you saw on that team, obviously, that will not be playing this next year. But that's also a position that, truth be told, a lot of people think they're about to upgrade at anyway. So for all intents and purposes, just pretend the season started in November. Because, Tyler, no one ever has a problem looking at bowl season and bowl practices and a bowl game and saying, well, this is our early look at 2020 whatever. Well, you could also you could also rewire that a little bit and just say, how about all of November was our first look at 2023. I don't think there's any problem in thinking that uh, because it, it it is exactly what it is. And I think that when you look at a lot of, you know, a lot of the talk around Penn State to me from a national level has always been, let's go check on the program every single day. Nope, doesn't look any different. So I'm going to doubt Penn State. Penn State is the kind of program where um, if you're if you're a fan, you're in the day to day. If you cover the beat, you're in the day to day weeds. But if you're a more national agnostic fan and you just observe the program from afar, it's it's almost smart to let it sit for a little while. Prince State's not a program you check up on every day because if you do, they haven't had that that just like really really steep Dabo at Clemson, Kirby Smart at Georgia sudden ascent to where they're in multiple national championship pictures in a three or four year stretch. That's not been Penn State. I don't know what the future holds. But if Penn State is left alone for a little while, so imagine out of the COVID year, that's the last time you checked on them. We'll come back and look at the program now. Everybody can talk about Drew Aller. Oh, they got a five-star quarterback. It's not just that. It's the fact that their, their running back depth is as good as anyone right now. They got. I think we, I, we had a stat on the show last night, which you can correct me on. Don't they have like five offensive linemen or six offensive linemen coming back with Five plus game starting experience. Isn't that the kind of depth they're looking at? Six guys who started at least five games in 2022 on the offensive front. Yeah. Yeah. So, so line of scrimmage depth would definitely look better now than it did back then. Um, I, I love where they're at defensively. And it's not that they were hurting defensively necessarily, but if you're looking to take that next step and, and also, um, kind of a fragmented sentence here because I'm going to go straight from defense to wide receiver, but I think a lot of folks, and this includes Penn State fans would probably look at some of those teams I just mentioned that have been in those national championship pictures. And they say, man, they can throw the ball. Man, they're so explosive. And it's something that, you know, game to game, I've never thought that we could dominate a game in. And I think it's really interesting that when they've picked and choose their spots in the portal, whether it was Tinsley last year or whether it's the couple of guys they've just taken this year, I think they've been really opportunistic with that. And what I think about the maybe the Parker Washingtons or Jahan Dotsons of the world is I have no doubt. I never had a doubt. If I were to have put them in an offense with a Joe Burrow or, or a Mac Jones, Steve Sarkeesian calling plays, those guys would have been 1,500 yard per season guys. They would have flashed. They would have had all American consideration because they're really good players. It's just, it's about a situation you're in. And I wonder if we're not morphing into a situation up there where even if I'm just getting the same caliber receiver I've had, does that stat sheet look a little bit more heavy and weighty and meaty 
just because I'm upgrading talent level at quarterback. Who knows? Yeah, let's talk about that spot because it's the centerpiece of the conversation here. Sean Clifford started his 46th and final college game in the Rose Bowl. It was arguably his best performance in an Nittany Lions uniform. He went out in a high note, but now it's all about Drew Aller. He showed up last January, ends up winning the primary backup job by the time they're through preseason camp. And by the time we were midseason, right around that Ohio State game, people <laughs> were wondering if he should be the quarterback for Penn State in 2022. They held off. They, they kept Sean Clifford out there. Drew got work in 10 games, I think it was, over the course of the season, including that Rose Bowl. Can you kind of, you've seen it play out for other fan bases. This is kind of new territory here, though. Saying goodbye to a lot of uh, a quarterback that a lot of fans had a level of fatigue with, and then saying hello to a quarterback that everyone wants to wrap their arms around and envision him holding the national championship trophy within the next couple of years. How do you kind of find a happy medium to keep everyone sane here in Happy Valley until this thing actually kicks off and Drew trots out there as QB1 in September? Well, you won't find it. I, I, don't even <laughs> pretend, I don't even pretend like I have that. But look, that, that's part of the beauty of what we do. Uh, as, as fan, I'm not even talking about media. As just fans of this sport, I hope, you know, one of the worst scenes in Shawshank it's when Red is, is shown this infinite wisdom the entire movie, and then all of a sudden he sits there in the mess hall and he tries to tell Andy Dufresne, hope is a dangerous thing. That can drive you insane. Well, if you're trying to bust out of prison, perhaps. But if you're putting your hope in a five-star quarterback to deliver your program to heights that it hasn't seen, I don't think there's harm in that. Now, be careful how much money you bet on it, but I don't think there's harm in that. And here's the other side of it. Here, here's what was... I think hard to understand from an outsider's perspective about the way Penn State fans felt about Sean Clifford. It's that there was no mystery or allure. You pretty much knew what you had two years ago. You knew what you had. And for better or for worse, that was going to be your guy. But here's the problem. You're Penn State. Um, you believe that your program, when everything is right, should compete at the highest levels of the sport. And you're watching the highest levels of the sport and you're seeing the caliber of quarterback play out there that, that it apparently takes to win, and you know you're not going to get that. It doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you're not quite good enough at that position. That was sort of the love-hate dynamic you're talking about, which was always hard for outsiders because all outsiders do is they see stats, and they say, well, this guy hasn't been bad. Well, they're not saying he's bad. They're just not saying he's great either, and they want to be great. And so you don't know if Drew Aller is going to be great. What you do know is – that risk-reward proposition includes in it the reward that kind of correlates with someone who has that higher-level skill set, who at his best we think may be capable of more. And I don't need to explain the reason that that's exciting. Um, what I think is very beneficial is that they didn't have to throw him into the fire as a true freshman. I know how intoxicating that that looks in someone's mind, but we also have countless examples in the past of what it also does to stunt someone's growth if they are thrown into a position they're not ready for yet. And, and here's the other benefit. You didn't have to find out. You, know, you had a really good year, didn't have to find out. And so you get to immerse a quarterback. It's, it's not a linebacker. It's a quarterback that you get to immerse in your program, learn the vernacular, learn college life. And so he's not having to learn 14 things on the fly and start every Saturday for you is what I'm trying to say. That's a luxury. Uh, that's not a detriment. That is a luxury to have. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It says a lot about the allure of the five-star quarterback that we skipped over a few other freshmen. One was the Big Ten freshman of the year in Nick Singleton. The other was Katron Allen, who was a fantastic running back in his own right all season long. And then Abdul Carter, the linebacker. You want to talk about how this team gained momentum. He was a centerpiece of that late in the season. Ends up getting All-American honors. I think 24-7 Sports was one of those who gave him freshman All-American honors. So those guys, I know that you have are tapped into so many different programs, but I know they've popped up on your radar over these last few months. What did you take away from what you saw from these three young Nittany Lions who, along with Drew Aller, are really being viewed as the foundation of what's next? Well, if you believe that Penn State evaluation and recruiting kicked into a little bit of a different gear, which I do, that's exactly the way you should be talking about the program. You should be talking about a bunch of young players who came in and even as true freshmen were standouts. And you've got at you got at the running back position, a Carter um, the other day, I was talking to, um, a, let's just call it a player personnel type, and they are not associated with Penn State at all, and they're gushing over that guy as potential defensive player of the year, kind of coming up in the next couple of years in the Big Ten and maybe beyond. So a lot of people outside of just Happy Valley have taken notice there, and it's it's we've seen programs that recruited pretty well and then kicked it into a different gear. And it just, you can't put your finger on exactly what happens, uh, but it's kind of that slow burn. It's that slow build. And uh, what I think happens, Tyler, is you get it right at the quarterback position and a lot of other guys magnetically are attracted to that, even defensive guys. Like when when Clemson finally got it right with Deshaun Watson, that upgraded their recruiting effort across the board. It wasn't just skill players. It wasn't just quarterbacks. It was uh, safeties wanted to come play with Clemson because they thought that Deshaun Watson guy is going to win. That Trevor Lawrence guy is going to win. And uh, they were right, by the way. And uh, Drew Aller, I think, has that same impact. And it won't, if it's true, if what I'm saying is true, it won't stop with him. You'll have another line. You'll have a continuous line of quarterbacks that want to come play there and a bunch of other guys attracted to Penn State because of that. Another newcomer to this program, Josh, in 2022 that that the fan base has fallen in love with in some ways is Manny Diaz. And I think people wondered what, what career crossroads, you know, hometown hero. It didn't work out in Miami. What's next? OK, he's coming up here to the, the, the great white north in the cold and, and he's going to play in Big Ten action. He's going to coach up this defense by the end of the process. He didn't add a lot of these guys until the summer. You know, didn't have a lot of newcomers, but this defense was playing fantastic football. A lot of guys elected to return, not go to the NFL draft. So expectations are rising there. People want to see what the offense can do, but it feels like the defensive ceiling is in place. What did you make of Manny Diaz's, I guess, career pivot and the fact that he's sticking around for year two? Because I think some Penn State fans were wondering if it was going to be a one-and-done situation because of the success he had here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm always hesitant until spring ball starts to just fully think I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but I, I strongly assume – 
that Manny Diaz will be at Penn State this year. There's no rumor or anything out there. I'm just saying never say never. So uh, let's let's assume for a second he's there. You you talk about right place, right time, and talk about a program needing that because you're you're focused. We're just talking about offense for 15 minutes. We barely even mentioned defense, and it's not because we're disrespecting or ignoring it. It's because we kind of got the luxury of taking it for granted because you had a former head coach just happen to be available. And also, here's what I was surprised by. With the way it ended with him at Miami and how contentious that was, a lot of times you see guys just take a year off and go do media or, or just, I mean, look, Cliff Kingsbury just went to Thailand. Just go to Thailand yeah. for a little while. <laughs> uh, I, I thought Manny Diaz may do that. Not really knowing him personally. I was just watching from the outside. I thought, Maybe he takes a year, got buyout money, recharges batteries. Uh, but there are some guys who do not want to take the year off. That would be more torturous to them than diving right back in. And, I mean, how about James Franklin just having that fall in his lap and then having a program that's built that's attractive enough to, to warrant Manny Diaz coming there. Um, if you get two years out of that guy, then it's a godsend for both parties, but then also – it, it it always helps to me when you can establish your place as kind of a, not a not a place where you can be a reclamation project, but but a place where true top tier coordinator talent, coaching talent can go and, and work their way through your system. And if it's a conveyor belt, it, it kind of speeds them up and it shoots them out of there instead of just rolling them out of there. And I certainly think Manny Diaz is going to get another shot probably as a head coach somewhere. Um, Miami was worse last year than they were the year he left. So I, I don't think he, you would get argument from this, from the Miami folks. I, I don't, I don't know if he left that program as a disaster. You don't need him to be a head coach right now. Anyway, you need him to be a defensive coordinator. Uh, he's been great. And I think it's a, it's a sign. I use the whole Penn state, Florida state, uh, comparison a lot. Cause I thought they were comparative programs at the end of the year. Florida state also had some guys who could have gone to the draft on defense, that decided to stick around. And I don't just think it's because they didn't quite get the draft grade feedback they wanted. Certainly that's a part of it, but we see guys in less than desirable positions leave early all the time against the advice of everyone else. So if you got guys sticking around who are on the fence, it normally says something positive about what your inner workings of your program are like. Working our way up the, the coaching staff ladder there, all the way to the top. James Franklin, this is year 10 in Happy Valley uh, since making that move from Vanderbilt in uh, January of 2014. And a lot of people are buying into this being potentially his best roster, his best opportunity. A lot of that hinges on the young quarterback. But where is he right now in terms of when we talk about college football leadership and the coaches who matter the most? He's got a lot to deal with in that Big Ten East, and that's where we're going to finish with you in just a moment. But specifically focusing on James Franklin, what is your assessment of the job he's done here? And a guy who has, I think, six, seven more years left on his current contract, what he can build on moving forward? Because that's a long tenure in modern college football. Well, so there's there's one if you're if you're just I use this word again, if you're just an agnostic fan, you're probably not listening to a Penn State podcast. But people who are, I would suggest rooting for James Franklin because I think, it, I think what he's doing right now is really good for the sport for a couple of reasons. But the main one is this. You're in a world right now where Steve Sarkeesian is two years in at Texas, and people are calling for his job. Mike Norvell, here's the Florida State comparison again. Mike Norvell 
if you were to have taken the temperature of the room one year ago, he's coming out a year two at that point, it would have been over 50% people calling for his job. Now, as it turns out, sometimes when you give coaches time, you find out that they weren't microwaving their way to success. It was, it was a more slow build. It was the oven mentality. Well, Norvell just won 10 games. So no one's questioning him anymore. The same people who doubted him are now trumpeting him and, and daring anyone to disrespect him. Well, with James Franklin, it's it potentially uh, one of the freshest case studies in college football that's being built to giving someone time. Dabo at Clemson didn't win overnight. They had to give him some time. James Franklin did win pretty early on, won a Big Ten championship pretty early on. And the program never cratered. That I still contend there were some external things that just happened at the wrong time. That, that two-year stretch we saw from COVID year and the year after that went the way they went. Yes, that's excuse-making. I just think they're valid excuses. But they rebounded out of that. And I think that if, if we are to see him elevate Penn State in year 10 or year 11 of his tenure to the playoff for the first time, think about how, how far down the road and how many times down the road that could be used for fan bases who have gotten out ahead of themselves and gotten in over their skis and start calling for a guy's head well before he's had time to prove himself. So even if you're not a Penn State fan, you, you ought to pull for him just to dilute some of the craziness that's out there in the entire hot seat conversation. And the other aspect of it is, I think it paints a more realistic picture of what it takes to succeed. Like a lot of people think if you don't succeed in the first two or three years, you just don't have what it takes. One of my biggest themes that I've hit on recently on Late Kick is the difference between someone cannot and someone has not. I don't believe that the Ryan Days of the world or, or the James Franklins of the world, both of them, I don't believe it's true that they cannot win a title. They have not won a title yet. That, that just means you're capable of something that you haven't put it all together and done yet. I do think there are some guys out there who cannot do it. I think James Franklin has not done it. And we're rapidly approaching a window here where I think he has his best chance to do it. Of course, Penn State, a lot of people think, could be a top five team in those preseason rankings. But the elephant in the room there is Ohio State, Michigan also project to be in that top five of those rankings. And this is a Penn State team. The last time they beat Ohio State was that run to the Big Ten title in 2016, James Franklin's third year. They've kind of gone tit for tat with Michigan, but of course, Michigan back-to-back -back college football playoff appearances. I mean, there is just such a brick wall when you look at what Penn State has faced in the Big Ten East. How does it look going into 2023 when you kind of navigate that hierarchy? Michigan's in a very weird spot with what's gone down with them the last few weeks. It's always hard to place any doubt on Ohio State because of what they do on a perennial basis. And we've already talked about it. Penn State feels like they have the powder keg lit and they may be ready for launch. Uh, you know, you can make two arguments here. It's easy to look and say, wow, if Penn State could only be in the Big Ten West, they'd win that division every year. <laughs> The product that Penn State's currently putting on the field would win the Big Ten West. That I can agree with. But what you can't know is how much of the product Penn State is right now is a byproduct of the pressure put on them by being in the Big Ten East. That stuff you just can't know. Um, so I'm a believer that the Ohio State-Michigan pressure has been good. It's been a net positive for the Penn State program. It's just that you run into them every year, and it is what it is. Like I also think there are programs in the SEC that are a product. I don't know that Georgia's where they are right now. If Alabama doesn't exist, 
So, so is Al, is it good or bad for Georgia that they have to be in that division and or that uh, conference? So that 12 team playoff that's a little ways down the road will alleviate some of this if it is playoff access that you seek. But outside of that, it, it could be that, you know, if you if you find yourself standing on the mountaintop, if you find yourself winning the Big Ten title in 2023, you may very well look back. And if you do an honest forensic assessment of your of your track to get there, you may say, I don't know that we would have been here if not for those programs that we had so much trouble against because they they forced us. It's another fun thing is look at the Bama Auburn dynamic down in the state of Alabama, multiple sports when one of them succeeds and then the other succeeds, you can ask yourself, is that all just happenstance or did the pressure from one produce a result from the other side? So I'm, I happen to be a believer uh, that Penn state being in that pressure cooker is a net positive on the program, even if it doesn't immediately produce a title. We'll find out again. They got to face them once again uh, here in the upcoming fall. Uh, and Josh, before we let you go, I know you're a firm believer there is no offseason in college football. So you're serving up the good stuff constantly, whatever month it is. So let the folks know where they can find you, whether it's football season or whether when the smack dab in the middle of winter. Yeah, and which is also football season for us. So we That's do right. it wherever, <laughs> yeah, wherever you are. I know some people just like the podcast version. You don't lose anything from our show if you just want to listen to podcasts find late kick wherever wherever you get your podcast uh but the youtube channel is humming right now too it's the same thing late kick and um it's free i mean our our partners help us make that free so you never have to pay for anything and if you if you kind of get tired of what passes as national college football conversation elsewhere i uh, pretty well assure you if you're listening to this podcast we're probably giving it to you the way you want it over there as well that's right. Well, Josh, really appreciate it. You're setting the standard in this industry. Happy to call you a teammate here at 24-7 Sports. And I look forward to what you got cooking the rest of this week on your on your show, Late Kick. I appreciate it, Tyler. All right. Always good to get Josh Pate here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Just a little bit of a nibble there as we look ahead to 2023 and what it could mean for Penn State. Got a lot to work with here in the Big Ten East. Got to work your way through some strong contenders. There's other teams in the mix that are going to improve along the way. But very clearly, Penn State, a central figure when we talk about programs who may be in that college football conversation uh, several, several months from now. Uh, as we work our way through this offseason, junior day just ahead here on a Saturday. We'll have full coverage of that at lines247.com. Uh, make sure you check out our, our uh, preview of that. I know Tyler Calvaruzzo here on a Wednesday morning uh, was able to put up a, a early list, an early look at who's expected on campus on Saturday. That list will expand Thursday, Friday, and into Saturday morning. Always some surprises. Uh, and then additionally, coming out of that and into next week, we'll have full responses. It's been a busy January here for the transfer portal, three straight weekends of recruiting visitors. So a lot to work our way through into next week as we work out of January. A dead period comes into place. Um, come back with us next week for a couple of new episodes of the Lions 247 podcast. Between now and then, we'll have a lot going on for you at lions247.com. Big thanks again to Josh Pate. If you missed our episode earlier in the week, we had Jackie Franchuli, who covers Virginia athletics for 24-7 sports. She broke down, went in-depth on Marcus Hagens, the new wide receivers coach for the Nittany Lions, who spent the first decade of his wide receivers coaching career down in Charlottesville. And then Tyler Calvaruso was on us on Tuesday with about a half hour of recruiting content that I think a lot of our fans will appreciate. Uh, listeners, we thank you. Uh, watchers on YouTube, we thank you as well. For now, stepping aside, I am Tyler Donahue. This has been the Lions 24-7 Podcast.